This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Langhorn Slim didn't set out to write a record. He hadn't written music in a year. At the end of 2019, he entered a program to tackle his issues with prescription drug abuse. Shortly after he came out of that program, a tornado struck his neighborhood in Nashville. Then COVID-19 hit the nation, forcing everyone to isolate. Trying to make sense of it all, Langhorn Slim finally wrote a song. I come and blow your house down First a tornado, then a plague mm-hmm. Let us use our hands to help the Let us utilize our mighty soul Langhorn Slim was given the advice to write without any expectations, to write for himself rather than worrying about the next hit, and music started to flow again. I caught up with Langhorn Slim to talk about his journey to recovery, which led to his latest album, Strawberry Mansion. I had gotten sober from, from alcohol and drugs seven, about seven and a half years ago in Nashville. And I had, I had done that. I guess by just like sort of locking myself in a room and dealing with the stuff that one deals with and managed to stay away from booze and drugs for some time, for a number of years. But I didn't connect with, I didn't connect with like a community that, that understands and lives through that struggle. I didn't know that I was supposed to be actively trying to, find a more expansive way to exist and to learn some tools to deal with anxiety issues, some depression issues um, that I've had my whole life and that so many other people have. And so what wound up going down was life does what life does. And I, I was in a relationship with a beautiful human being, but it was a toxic relationship for both of us. I developed a pretty toxic relationship with my own career. And again, in retrospect, it's easy to see that I had been putting my self-worth and my entire identity into, not even into my career, like how many records I sell. I never really got that hung up on that sort of thing, maybe because I've never sold that many records, but, but there's plenty of other stuff to get to kind of get tricked by and and off off the rails. And so I just got off the rails and I emotionally couldn't really deal with it. And so I did something that that I knew was dangerous at the time, which was I I sought out a, a bearded professional who allowed me for like 150 bucks to sit upon his sofa and tell him about my incessant anxiety and then offered me about seven prescriptions that I could pick from. And I picked the one that I had taken recreationally years before that I quite enjoyed. That began a a relapse on prescription medication that quickly turned into a dependency on it. That was very difficult for me to get off of, that I tried to wean off of on on my own and in the shadows and felt a a lot of darkness and shame around the fact that I had fed this creature again, knowing that the creature doesn't die, particularly if you start to feed it, it grows hungrier and hungrier. And so 
the most interesting and, and sort of ironic thing about all of this to me is that myself and I think a lot of others lean towards certain things, substances, other people, their work, whatever it might be, food, sex, whatever it might be. It's a thing that you that you feel at the time will help to make you sane, to help make you feel better about your situation, your your place on this planet. And in the end, for myself and for a lot of others, it winds up being the thing that drives you completely mad. I, I was blocking myself from the true love, the divine spirit, what I consider the divine spirit, which is love of oneself, love of their true friends, of my family, and an open channel to the creative source. And um, all of that was being betrayed and blocked. Yeah. Um, You know, addiction is something that runs in my um, personal family. And it was something I was talking to another family member about this weekend, actually, of just like, you know, folks self-medicate when there's something else going on, right? Like whether that be depression or anxiety, they need something to self-medicate before the, and, and, and if they're self-medicating, you can't really get down to that, that, that heart of that issue. And so for you to say like, you know, this thing was creeping up again, and I found something else like that other that other main source that may have led to the addiction, it doesn't go away. And I know there was another interview that I've done on Sound and Vision. Actually, John Richards did on Sound and Vision, where he was talking with David Bazan of Page of the Lion. And he said something during the interview that has always stuck with me is he's is he talked about his alcoholism. And he says, you know, the thing about alcoholism is, I drank because I was depressed and and I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like the thing about when you wean yourself off of a substance, that thing doesn't go away. In fact, it hits you harder, you know, and so you really have to deal with what that underlying issue was, you know, like whether again, it be anxiety or depression. And so for you, what did it take for you to, to find I guess that inner peace, or it sounds like for you, anxiety was kind of this initiator of some things. And so what were you able to do to be able to come to terms with that? And the idea that 2020 was such an intense year for everyone, let alone what it what it was like for you being in Nashville when a tornado hits, to be a musician and everything's canceled. I mean, how are you able to navigate this year I guess, sober? And how were you able to, I guess, what was, what was a thing that allowed you to effectively be sober? Yeah. I mean, I would agree with, with uh, David and what you said that, of course, when you're medicating these, these feelings, these issues that, of course, it doesn't cure the issue. That said, the first time that I got clean, I felt really good as a lot of people do for a while but i wasn't doing anything more to understand where the anxiety comes from and i was projecting that onto things like my career and and other people certain people in particular and for me after a few years something happened in my initial attempts at sobriety that it normalized um and it, it no longer felt expansive. And I didn't understand why I was still coming up against these fears, these, these sadnesses, the anxiety. And that festers for a while until for some of us, it does for me, 
to, until it gets to a place where I felt like I needed I needed some relief and I needed it quick. I wanted a shaman in a jungle to sprinkle some kind of dust on my head and cure my ass. I wanted the love of a of a lady to cure my ass. I wanted some kind of validation in my career to cure my ass. And I have sought all of those things out in my own way. And though they feel good for a while, they don't cure your ass. And everybody knows that. So for me, in both times that, I, that I've gotten sober in my life, I, hope, I really hope this is the last time, it took utter desperation. It took losing, losing trust in myself, not recognizing myself, feeling broken. And this time around, it just got to a, a place where I just wasn't, I wasn't myself at all. My, my, my existence felt like it was, it was being suffocated. Physically, I felt battered. Spiritually, emotionally, I felt battered uh, in, in every way. What did it was reaching out to other people, was seeking help, was staying connected this year with a community of people who get it, who live it. And it's just trying to peel the layers back within my, my own being to see what's there. Who am I without being on the road and being on stage? Who am I without a bottle, without drug, single, whatever it might be, right? And that's really scary at first, and it continues to be scary at times, but it's also super freeing and exciting. And also knowing that I'm a 40-year-old man, and I've used a lot of alcohol and booze and other things to try and deal with the core issue. And it, it, it just doesn't work for me. It could work for a minute or for a year. It's just not, it's not where it's at for me. So even if I feel shitty sometimes doing some of the things that I, that, that I'm trying to do now, so what I would consider more of the ancient practices, uh, than, than reaching out for something or somebody every time I, I get itchy, you know? So I want to get into um, some of these songs, um, Langhorn Slim, on your latest album. Again, it's called Strawberry Mansion. And in one of those songs, it's simply called Panic Attack. I called a healthcare professional, want to speak to someone confidentially. Don't know just how I'm feeling, but I'm feeling feelings exponentially. Calm boy started asking questions, said, ma'am, I was hoping for advice. I'm feeling lots of feelings, not a single one of them feels nice. Was this like a real life scenario for you or yeah. is this like you replaying a different scenario in your head? Because you're taking us basically like to, you know, calling someone and talking about your symptoms and, you know, someone on the other end asking you to rate, you know, how you're feeling. On a scale of one to ten, do you feel anxious? On a scale of one to ten, do you feel scared? Said I'm feeling lots of feelings. For some reason I cut my hair. Is this something that happened to you in real life, Verbatim. or are you replaying a scenario? Yeah, yeah. I took okay. I took zero creative liberty. It was a suggestion when I when I came back to Nashville and got some help and, and got sober again off the medication. I started to see uh, this amazing therapist lady whom I miss. She went on maternity leave, and I never maybe she was lying. Maybe she was just like I'm done with this guy. <laughs> but she was really helpful while we while we were. Uh, 
while we were doing that thing. And um, yeah, I was talking to her about about anxiety and fear and she suggested that uh well she brought up you you know do you think that maybe your some of this anxiety is because you're you're scared that in being clean again that you won't write which is wild because that she was she was very on the money but when I was back out being a bad boy, I wasn't writing at all. So I don't know what the what that fear is all about, but I know it's not an uncommon one. And I was talking to her about, for me personally, wanting to explore other ways of dealing with these feelings when they come up outside of any kind of medication, even if it was non-addictive you know, types of medication, that I really wanted to give it a shot without and you know try some other things and then see how I felt after a while. And she made the suggestion to me. Well, she asked me, "Do you play music when you're feeling this way?" And I said, "No, I definitely don't do that." And she's like, "Well, do you think you you might like to r- try to write, you know, and just kind of get out the feelings?" And I'm like, "Honestly, that's a terrible idea. I don't like the idea. It makes me anxious even hearing the idea." When when I feel that way, I don't feel good about myself. I don't the the guitar. It doesn't feel like my friend. It's sort of like is giving me the stink eye in the corner of the room. Uh, that's how I perceive it. And she said, "Well, why don't you just keep it in mind and maybe pick up a guitar and don't do it with any expectations of a tangible tune or have any intention other than to." To play the way I took it was like like childlike, which is what I'm always trying to get back to anyway, without any of that fear in my head, without any is this good enough? Because good enough for what? At the end of the day, not only in this pandemic crazy time, but specifically to it, it's just me sitting on my couch. So is it good enough for me to to sing and have a nice time playing a little tune? Yeah, it's good enough. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be words or blah, 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 blah. So I didn't like the suggestion, but I did remember it. And I picked up the guitar and that song just spilled out. And that's sort of the same with all of the songs on the record. They were written without much expectation or any intention to, to make a record. it, It was really just something was cracking open. I was numb and in a lot of pain for a while. And I started to do, I think I started to heal a bit and, and music started to reveal itself and I got to write it for, for a while and a bunch of songs spilled out. There are two lines um, that, you know, I kind of read about your backstory behind this record. And then I listened to um, one of your, your songs, it's called Dreams. And there were two lines that really stuck out to me that I'm curious what the backstory of them are. One is, it's only a dream if we stay asleep. And the other one that comes up later in the song is, but life, it ain't living until we're awake. From the beginning, we're dreaming of winning, but life, it ain't living until we're awake. What do those two lyrics mean to you? Awake to ourselves. Um, under my own roof, I began to 
to come back to myself, to recognize myself again, to smile again, to play music again, and also freak the F out like I always have. But I'm trying to be present for it more than I have been most of my life. I'm trying to be, uh, to not fall for every single trap. And every trap is so easy to fall for. The internet is so loud. The news is so loud. My head and most people's heads are so loud. So how do you find a little bit of quiet in that noise? And for me, when, when I, when I did and when I do, I'm just more available for a better experience. (laughs) I'm more available for, uh, for my own creativity I'm more available for when my grandma Ruth calls me from Pennsylvania to pick up the phone and and be present with her and on and on and on and on. So it's like, you know, when I'm staring at my phone all day, which I do a lot, certainly when I'm bombarding my soul with alcohol and drugs and so on and so forth, I'm keeping myself asleep. So maybe that's what I mean. Or maybe I'm just lying. I don't know. I was hoping that was the answer, though. (laughs) I think that was the answer. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about your backstory and this idea of just kind of having to walk through life, right? Um, You know, but... Well, I've been speaking with Langhorn Slim. His latest record out now is called Strawberry Mansion. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and your music with us today. It's a pleasure. Can't wait to see Seattle again one of these days. I know. We hope to have you when everything's safe. I look forward to it. Thanks for the time. I appreciate the chat. There's more to this madness than smiles and sadness. There's more to the dance than who you can take. Music is playing. Bodies are swaying. But the song's all wrong. We made a mistake. Dreams they sell, I don't believe They don't tell, it's only a dream if we stay asleep All is in motion, just look at the ocean But there's slides of hands and tricks up the sleeves There was a time we looked up at the sky Now we stare down to the dirt at our feet Dreams they sell, I don't believe It's only a dream if we stay asleep There's infinite beauty, I let it pass through me And my eyes are open, I'm ready my lord I got so tired, I nearly expired, but I ain't got time to be tired no more. The dreams they sell, I don't believe. They don't tell, it's only a dream if we stay asleep. The dreams they sell, I don't believe. They don't tell, it's only a dream if we stay asleep. Smiles and sadness and what we collect while our tails are in chase From the beginning, we're dreaming of winning But life it ain't living until we're awake That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.